How's everybody doing today? Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. Well, this is the first Sunday in March. Yay! Happy March, everybody. And welcome to Women's History Month. Now, according to history.com, the actual celebration of Women's History Month originated from a week-long celebration of women's contributions to culture, history, and society organized by a school district in Sonoma, California back in 1978. And for those of you who can remember, that was at the height of the women's live movement. You know, back in the 70s, the women's liberation movement was a collective struggle for equality that was most active during the late 60s and into all of the 70s. It sought to free women from oppression and male supremacy. Hence the meaning of the name, Women's Liberation. So now to transition from Black History Month into Women's History Month, I decided to dedicate this first show for the month of March to a controversial Black woman that endured many hardships in her life. (laughs) Now I know you're all thinking to yourself, that could be any Black woman, right? What black woman that you know hasn't endured hardships in her life? I would certainly like to meet her myself, right? Okay, but this show, in this show, we're going to highlight Billie Holiday. Now, Eleonora Fagan was born on April 17, 1915. She was best known in her later years as Billie Holiday, Lady Day, or the first lady of blues. Now, I like a person that has several aliases. To me, that means that there are several parts to that individual's personality, and each part is unique enough to have its own name, right? So it also describes how people perceive that part of your character. 
So Lady Day, as she was affectionately called by her music partner and friend Lester Young, was an American jazz singer whose career spanned for 26 years. Her innovative vocal style on jazz music and pop singing, which was strongly inspired by jazz instrumentalists, pioneered a new way of manipulating phrasing and tempo. She was known for her vocal delivery and improvisational skills. At the time when Billie Holiday was climbing the charts, so were other jazz artists, one in particular, Ella Fitzgerald, who she was constantly being compared with, but it was the sultry vocals of Holiday that made many come to her, her musical concerts. She sold out Carnegie Hall three times that she appeared there. And in every appearance, she was asked to sing her infamous song, Strange Fruit. Now, this brings me to a movie that I saw over the weekend, The United States of America versus Billie Holiday. This film was based on the book called Chasing the Scream, The First and Last Days of the War on Drugs, written by Johan Harry. And in the movie, Holiday is depicted as being targeted by the United States government, one in particular, Harry Anslinger. He not only targeted Miss Holiday because of her drug use, which was a result of her being raped repeatedly as a young child, he targeted Miss Holiday because the United States wanted her to stop performing the song Strange Fruit. Now, this song told the story of how black people were being lynched across the South. It was happening so frequently that their bodies hanging from the trees looked as though they were fruit growing from the trees. And, it, and it, that's, a, I mean, when you think about it, it blows your mind, right? That's an eerie concept, right? But nonetheless, it was true. It was the mission of Mr. Anslinger and the Federal Bureau of Investigations, our infamous FBI, under the direction of then J. Edgar Hoover, we can all recall the narcissistic ways that Mr. Hoover acted and the way he ran the FBI like an iron with an iron fist. They continually harassed Billie Holiday using the umbrella of the war on drugs as a means of getting her to stop singing the song. So now working for the commission in pursuit of Billie Holiday was an easy task for Mr. Anslinger because he was a racist anyway. And that should come to no surprise to anyone because look who he worked for. Not only did he despise black people, he, he despised black people that sang jazz music. Billy's drug addiction just made her an easier target for the FBI, who was repeatedly planting drugs on her by using black FBI officers and other black informants. Mr. Anslinger had made several remarks concerning jazz music, stating that it sounded like the jungles in the dead of the night, right? And in another statement he made, he referred to jazz musicians, the way they lived, reeked of filth. One could say that Anslinger was just another agent that hated drugs 
and all that they stood for in America because he first started working for the FBI during the days of prohibition. But we all know that that's not true. We all know because alcohol was not going to stay outlawed indefinitely in the United States. There was too many prominent families linked to the making and distribution of alcohol here in America for them to keep that outlawed. Too much money was being lost. That's why they legalized alcohol in spite of our godly, air quotes, godly beliefs. Once prohibition had been lifted, Anslinger turned his focus from alcohol to marijuana and heroin. Hmm, how interesting. Marijuana and heroin, the two components that have ensnared and jailed more people of color, black people in particular, than slavery itself. And it's sad to think that in watching this movie, you see how most of the times when they were planting drugs on her or trying to get her or arrest her for drug possession, of course, it was always done by other black people people, black men in particular, be it the men that she was having relations with, people that she was close with, always someone betraying her for a dollar. It's sad that when you think back to as far back in time as you can remember, it's always been that they have always been able to use our own people against us to infiltrate and destroy black lives. That love of money for sure. And I'm sure there are some of you out there saying, well, if she didn't do the drug, she wouldn't have been a target. They would not have revoked her cabaret license if she would have remained clean after getting out of jail. Not so. They were determined not to give her back her cabaret license, even if she remained clean, because she would not stop singing the song Strange Fruit. And we all know how the government will use one element to bring you down when it's really another reason that they're trying to go after you. Case in point, they couldn't get the mafia on drug smuggling, bootlegging, human trafficking, but they could always get them on what? Tax evasion. But you know what's the real icing on the cake? is Anslinger really did dislike drugs. But when it came to white musicians that was using drugs at the time, he took it easy on them. Because let's face it, in the arts, there has and still is a heavy use of drug amongst artists, right? It's a known fact. There's no secret. People who play um, instruments, who play in bands and stuff, they've always had a history of drug use. It is reported, right? This is reported that Judy Garland, another heroin addict, was invited in to see him. She, she was called into a conference in a meeting to meet with him. And they had a friendly chat in which he advised her to take longer vacations between pictures. And he wrote to her studio telling them that she didn't have a drug problem. Hmm. Judy Garland. Dorothy with Toto, right? which we all know her later in life as being a drug user, but that was okay for him because Judy wasn't black, right? Judy wasn't black, so she could use drugs. Just take longer vacations, Judy. Clean yourself up, then come back. But of course, you know that 
Billie Holiday wasn't the only target that Anslinger was trying to get after, right? He wanted to get every black jazz artist that he could get his hands on. Jazz artists like Charlie Parker, Louis Armstrong, and Theolodius Monk, right? He wanted to put them all behind bars. And he instructed his agents that when they went in for raids, to shoot first. Hmm, this all sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it? And it was because in the beginning, he couldn't get the musicians to turn on each other. They wouldn't rat on each other, like who was using drugs or where they got the drugs from. That's when he decided to start using informants, paying them, giving them jobs in the FBI, making them feel like they were doing something for their community in order to to turn on other people in the community. One sad part of the movie that really got to me after I thought about it, the point that Anslinger never stopped chasing Billie Holiday. From the time that he first pressured her to stop singing Strange Fruit and they uh, arrested her and threw her in jail, that which that started about in 1939, until she had been on her she was on her deathbed while she was dying going through withdrawals from heroin they came in there and arrested her and the woman was dying on the bed like where was she going she was she was not going to ever get up from the bed again they arrested her and handcuffed her to the bed and she died right there in the bed after her death his career grew He served as the commissioner of the FBN, Federal Bureau of Narcotics, until 1962, where he retired at the ripe old age of 70. And then after, he went to serve two years as a U.S. representative to the United States Narcotics Commission. He was granted a citizen citation from the late President John Kennedy. Hmm... Anslinger died of heart failure in 1975 at the age of 83. Now, Billy struggled for the rest of her life, battling drugs and trying to make a living, right? She passed away on July 17, 1959 at the age of 44. She died poor despite her numerous recording sales and sold out concerts. In 1978, Her song, Strange Fruit, was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame and Time Magazine voted it Song of the Century. Now, ironically, the song Strange Fruit, as I said before, it told the story of the lynchings that were taking place here in America, right? And it took 120 years to obtain a watered-down version of an anti-lynching bill to pass in the House of Representatives. But now, as for the Senate, the bill's always dead on the floor and is always due to the opposition from Southern senators asserting that federal anti-lynching legislation would violate states' rights. More directly, Southern state control over criminal justice matters and in the minds of white Southerners, their control over racial matters. Now, just as a side note, America has always been obsessed with drugs, right? It's been raging for over five decades. They 
are determined to control the flow of foreign entities that have been making billions on drugs due to the American drug addiction and the need for Americans to always feel good because they're in pain. So ever since this whole war on drugs, all the while, they've been incarcerating people of color in the name of keeping America safe, right? But when you think about it, statistically, there's more white people in America than there are black people, and they definitely have more discretionary income. So who do you think is buying all the drugs? People of color might be getting arrested more for using drugs, but you can't tell me that white people aren't using more drugs than black people. We just don't have the money like they do. We just don't have the money. And that's also the reason why it hits our community harder. Because if we don't have the money, but we're always trying to get the money because we want the drugs, that brings up crime and all this other kind of crap that comes into the community and tears the community down. But now if I could afford to buy my drugs while I'm living in my posh home out on the island someplace, then it's not going to bring my community down because I'm going to go to work every day. I'm going to have money to buy drugs. I'm going to still do my drugs and I'm still going to do my job. How is that bringing down the community? You don't even know I do drugs because I'm doing it behind my own closed doors. Hence, there lies the difference between why drugs bring down a black community or communities of color as opposed to communities out in the suburbs. But lo and behold, We've now seen that the opioid epidemic, the opioid epidemic, now that hit home out on the island, totally. It was totally taking over out on the island. But drugs is drugs is drugs. And then it became a big deal of now here we go again. We got to do something about the drugs. We got to do something about the drugs. You knew the whole time the drugs were in, in the, you knew the drugs were in the system here in America. You were allowing them to come in, but now all of a sudden it, it's such a big epidemic. There's a documentary that is on the history channel and it's called America. And I believe it's called the war on drugs. I'm going to have to watch that in the future. And then I'm going to have to come back and report to you, give you a commentary on that show, because we all know how the role that America played in foreign countries when it came to drugs. Let's just think about Nicaragua. What Whatever happened to Gaddafi? But that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother show. Right now, we're just in black. We're in Women's History Month, and we're talking about the movie The United States versus Billie Holiday. So now, this movie showed just how far the FBN will go to stop you from living your life if you were a black person in America back then and probably still now. We just don't hear about it as much. I enjoyed the movie. I learned a lot about Billie Holiday, information that I was not aware of. And if you get a chance to see it, please do. I recommend it. Another phenomenal outcome from this movie was that not only did we learn about a 10-year span in Billie Holiday's life, But Audra Day, the woman who portrayed Billy in the movie, won a Golden Globe. She became the second black woman to win a Golden Globe for best performance by an actress. And it had been 35 years since the last black woman won in that same category. And that woman was Whoopi Goldberg for her portrayal of 
Celie in the color purple in 1985. So today we salute you lady day for being who you were standing your ground and wanting to bring awareness to the unfortunate activities, the lynchings, the racism that black people in the South had to endure. Although you yourself were, you were battling your own demons. So as many of us are doing yet today, Lady Day, we thank you. With that, it's time to play some music. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. Hey, Brooklyn. I want to remind everyone that City Running Tours is now offering neighborhood running tours. These tours are designed to give you a unique opportunity to learn the history of the New York City neighborhoods that you are currently running through. You can choose from 23 different tours of neighborhoods in Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. For a list of neighborhoods and full tour schedule, check out their website at www.cityreadingtours.com slash New York City. Also, check out their live tours every Saturday at 10 a.m. on instagram.com slash cityreadingtours.
them that's got shall get, them that's not shall lose. So the Bible said, and it still is news, mama may have, papa may have, but God bless the child that's got his own, that's got his own. Yes, the strong gets more While the weak ones fade Empty pockets don't Ever make the grave Mama may have Papa may have But God bless the child That's got his own That's got his own Rich relations give crust of bread and such. You can help yourself, but don't take too much. Mama may have, Papa may have, but God bless the child. That's got his own. That's got his Trees, the wishing well, 
listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for Op-Ed. And I want to start off this week's Op-Ed beginning with how it's been reported that the FBI has begun dragging their feet when it comes to arresting rioters that took part in the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. It has been said that There has been numerous tips sent to the FBI on where these rioters are or where they reside by regular civilians and by news outlets, but there has been no further arrests that have been made. So everybody's wondering now, what is the FBI doing? Is it just more bureaucratic paper being shuffled back and forth and nobody's not doing anything? That still remains to be seen. That was the latest on that piece of news because I was surprised. I haven't heard much about the rioters, but this seems to be that um, everything seems to be bottlenecked now up in the FBI and nobody knows why it's taking so long for them to go out and arrest the other rioters that they know where they are. They just have not gone and picked them up. We're now moving down the border to Georgia. Georgia has now, they're being hit with anti-voter bills. Now I'm sure that doesn't come as a surprise because as you know, Georgia was an upset when it came to the political election for the president. And it also was an upset when it came to the Senate seats that were overturned, giving the Democrats the majority hold in the Senate at this point. So now the latest is 
there are bills that are going to pass through the Georgia legislation and signed into law. And these bills will be bills that are A, would stop early voting by mail, B, stop early voting, even just regular early voting. And one of them that has already been passed is they rolled back the voting policy that allowed people to vote early on Sunday. So now Andrea Young, the daughter of Andrew Young, is the director of the ACLU of Georgia. And she's saying that they are trying to stop all these bills that are being put on the legislative floor. She's trying to stop them from being signed into law because once they become law, then they have to go to the courts to fight it. But you see, we should have known that this was going to happen once they saw that the people had gathered and was voting, they were exercising their right to vote when the Democrats changed those seats from Republican to Democrat. Now the Republican legislators are now writing new bills to change all the laws that they had previously put in place. Because think about it in order for the people to be able to mail in a ballot to vote or have early voting, it had to be passed into law by the legislators, right? But see, they didn't know that when they vote things into law, that it doesn't just work for your constituents. It works for everyone that wants to take advantage of that opportunity. And the Democrats took advantage of that opportunity. Now they're looking at it and they're saying, oh, no, this is a bad idea. Let's roll it back to the way it was before. More to come on that as well. Now, as the Senate prepares to vote, on the 1.9 trillion, yes, you heard me correctly, trillion dollar coronavirus stimulus package that Joe Biden had passed through the House, it appears that Mitt Romney is trying to push back on voting on this bill, stating that it doesn't make sense to give states that are financially sound extra money when there's other states that could use more money because they're still in the red. Now, after I read the the article of what he was talking about, it makes perfect sense. And as he said, he used to be the governor of Massachusetts. And the first thing he said was, when you're a governor, if the federal government is giving out free money, whether you need it or not, your hand is out taking it. Because if they're gonna allot it to you, you're going to take it. What he's saying is, He's not against states getting money for coronavirus if they're in a deficit and if they need it to further the, the, the vaccine that everyone needs to take now or what they're pushing everyone to take now. What he's against is in the first set of stimulus money that went out to help states and pay them back for all the money that they had laid out for fighting the virus and getting PPE and all those things. Why give them more money if their state is not in the red? If they've already broke even and some, he says, have a surplus. They are in a surplus because they got so much money in where they didn't put that much money out. He's now saying why in this second round in the stimulus package must those states once again receive federal aid if they don't need the money. And now this is where it makes perfect sense. If the people in 
Congress would think like this, then we wouldn't be in all the turmoil that we're in when it comes to deficits and this state not getting and that state getting everything. And there wouldn't be so much bickering. Why can't they just look at the states who have a surplus? If you have a surplus, your hand should not be out to get money. I'm sorry. I don't care if you're a state that's like, well, every other state is getting money. Let me get some. You don't need the money. And when you get the money, as Romney had stated, when they get the money, they're probably not even going to use it towards what they should have been using it for. Because we all know that when states get money, most of the time, it never goes for what they put their hand out to receive the money for. So with this, I have to say, hats off to you, Romney. I totally agree. Stop giving away money from the federal government to states that don't need the money if they're in a surplus. And then you have other states that are in a deficit that when you give them their money, they just still might not even break even. They'll still be in the red. I'm with you, Romney. Fight for this. Do not. But then here it is. Kamala Harris. She has the deciding vote about whether the money should be given or not. And if she goes in with the, oh, just relieve everybody, because sometimes the Democrats get so, oh, just relieve everybody. And they don't think it out clearly. I'm all for giving people relief, but I'm not all for giving everybody relief because everybody doesn't need, they don't need relief. Why are you giving relief to those who don't need it? If she goes in there and she votes and she passes the bill, then we're going to have $1.9 trillion of funds that's allocated to go to all the states, whereas some states don't need it. So that's just going to be extra money that we're going to have to pay back while other states are just living high off the hog and doing whatever they want to do with that money. So that's my take on Romney and Joe Biden's stimulus package. So now, as if talking about $1.9 trillion for coronavirus relief wasn't enough dealing with the coronavirus, we now have last week the Washington Post stated that U.S. bishops splinter on the morality of taking coronavirus vaccines. Now, the Catholic Church is weighing in on the coronavirus vaccines, stating that Johnson & Johnson and the shot that they created is derived from abortion cells from aborted fetuses. Okay, so Johnson & Johnson, it's being said that Johnson & Johnson, the shot that they put together has stem cells that were taken from fetuses that were aborted voluntarily back in 1985. Okay. So that's the big, that's the big hoopla that these, that these stem cells that they took from these fetuses are now in the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And it's not in the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine. And that's so funny because when I heard the Johnson and Johnson vaccine was coming out, the first thing I said was, I don't want the Johnson and Johnson vaccine because it's only one shot. I don't want it. It was only one shot. It was 70, 70% 70 effective. And if I were going to take any shot, I want the two shot, which is the 95% effective. I don't want anything with less of value. Don't give it to me. I don't want it. But 
to hear now that it has stem cells from fetuses and the Catholic Church is saying that it's morally, what did they say? It's morally, they're saying it's morally compromised that you shouldn't use it. They're telling all Catholics not to use it. Well, I'm not Catholic, but I'm listening to you and I wasn't going to use it anyway. But not to say that there's anything wrong with it. I don't know if there's anything wrong with the Johnson & Johnson because it has the aborted fetus stem cells in it. I just didn't want it because it was only one shot. And that's why I was against taking it. I was like, why would I want to take the one shot and it's less effective, 70%? Although they said it's still as effective to keep you out of the hospital. No. I would want to take the one that's 98% effective and that's going to keep me out the hospital too. I don't care if I got to go back for a second shot in a couple of weeks. Who cares? Give me the two shot one that's close to 100 rather than the one shot one that's only 70. That was my logic behind it if I decided to take the vaccine. But now to hear that it's made from or it has parts of aborted stem cells in it. Mm, I don't know if I want to have anything to do with that. Not that I know anything about stem cells or aborted stem cells, but it just doesn't sound right. It, you know, it just doesn't sound right to me, but who am I to judge? That's my own personal opinion. Those of you who might feel that there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not telling you not to take it. Everybody has to decide within themselves how they want to handle taking this vaccination or not. Because some people may be annoyed with me because I said I'm still on the fence and I don't want to take it. And everybody wants to get to this herd immunity and they figure in, well, if I hold out, you're holding out from everybody getting this herd immunity because I, they know if I'm saying I'm holding out, I'm not the only one saying holding out. There's probably other people that's holding out as well. But don't judge me. Don't judge me because in my heart of hearts, I want to decide which is better for me. You have to decide which is better for you, be it take the vaccine or not. And then when you decide to take it, whether to take the Pfizer, Moderna or the Johnson and Johnson. But see, I have a question. I wonder if you can decide when you decide to take it, which one you want to take. Because I, when the FDA said that they approved Johnson and Johnson, to put theirs on the market, the first thing that came to my mind was by the time they give it, by the time they make it available to everyone after they have the ones that had to go because of the special criteria, like being over 65 or having underlying conditions and things of that nature, I said, watch everything on the market be that Johnson & Johnson one because it's easier to store, it could just go in the refrigerator. So that right there would make it cheaper because it can go in the refrigerator as opposed to the Moderna and the Pfizer, which has to be practically frozen in the Arctic in order bef before you get it in your shoulder. I'm like, mm, by the time they roll it all out to the general public, is the only one that's gonna be available gonna be the Johnson & Johnson? Because if that's the case, if I can't decide which one I wanna take, which I should have a choice, since I have to, since they want me to take this, I should be able to decide which one I take. That's just my standing on it. And I know some people are probably saying, oh, she's making this more complicated. Oh, she's making it more difficult. Some people can't even get an appointment to take one and she's on the radio talking about which one she wants to take. You know what? 
my heart goes out to all of you who want to take it and have not yet been able to get it. I sympathize with you. I want you to get it. If you want it, I want you to have it. Me, myself, I have a right, just like you have a right to want to get it, I have a right to decide whether I want to get it or not. And if I get it, I have a right to want to decide which one I get. Hello? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And that is going to end op-ed. Now, let's go to our word of the month. It's a new month, so we're going to start with a new word. Our word for this month is disingenuous. And disingenuous means not candid or sincere, typically by pretending that one knows less about something than one really does. Are any of you out there disingenuous? I would hope not. Our promise for today comes from Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That is reading from the New King James Version. And with that, I want to say continue to wear your mask, continue to wash your hands, continue to social distance, although there are states that are now saying that they don't have to wear masks, they don't have to social distance, they can just go on business as usual, everything's opening up, everybody could just go wherever they want. Let's not do that here in New York, people, because we know what it's like when coronavirus goes around and everybody gets it. And I'm happy to say that they have now extended the times on getting a vaccination to 24 hours. They have it at Yankee Stadium, and they have it at, I believe it's the Javits Center, but it's really good. So for everyone who wants to get it, they have the 24-hour spots. You could go there and you can get your vaccination. And with that, I would like to say, continue to social distance. Have a beautiful Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy your week coming ahead. The weather's supposed to be getting warmer. I think it's supposed to go up in the 60s next week. Spring is right around the corner. With that, I say stay safe, be kind to one another, take care of one another. For those of you who might have missed any of my previous shows, I thank you for tuning in today. But if you want to hear some of my shows from the past, you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, look for my web, my show page, What Would Kay Say? And there you'll see my archive shows or you can find me on Spotify and iTunes. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm WWKSayToday. And with that, I look forward to talking to you next week. I hope all of you can join me where we'll be continuing our month-long series here with it being Women's History Month. We'll spotlight another famous woman next week. I have to figure out who I want to talk about next week. But until then, stay safe, love your family, love your neighbors. And until God brings us together again next week, peace. me
Senhor,